Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. Drink it in. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back in the house on a Wednesday uh, here to talk about the Detroit Lions versus the Oakland Raiders that happened this past Sunday, a tough game for all of us Lions fans. Uh, lots of things to talk about, though, of how this game went down, the positives, the negatives, the second guessing, everything that happened. Uh, we'll talk all about it. And uh, we're also going to talk about we're here at the midseason point. Uh, basically, the Lions have played eight games now and a bye week. It seems like a million more games than eight with all the ups and downs and, and twists and turns of this season, but only halfway through. Um, so I'm going to throw some questions at Grifka with kind of some midseason awards or some questions here as we get going. But uh, before we get to all that, Grifka, what's going on, man? Oh, man, just just a little somber from, from the game last Sunday. Still kind of reeling a little bit from that. Yeah, it was a tough one. We'll uh, we'll talk about it. We'll break it down. We'll sort of give the people our uh, opinions on the different things that happened. But uh, before we get to that, man, there's there's been lots of stuff going on. Uh, again, not a ton of news and notes, but all this talk back and forth since the trade deadline has passed about uh, what if, you know, I think there was some more stuff that we didn't get to last show about, uh, you know, Devontae Freeman from the Atlanta Falcons uh, possibly being uh, a Detroit Lion. I believe that was for maybe a, a third round pick or so. You know, there was... Uh, reports that came out that there were some discussions about Rashad Penny, but the Lions didn't want to give up more than a third, and the Seahawks were dead set on a second, I believe it was, to get him. Um, I don't believe we talked about that. We talked about Chris Harris and, uh, you know, them trading Quandre and things like that, but uh, any thoughts on these reports that kind of came trickling out late after the trade deadline where the Lions did uh, absolutely nothing? I know... With uh, it seemed like more noise came out after watching the run game that the Lions had on Sunday, but uh, it was just you know once again people you know saying stuff much of like oh Lions aren't willing to give up any collateral they got enough draft picks they want to get pushed over the top you know just the same chatter we it's like we always hear I mean I don't know if I'd want to give up a second round for Penny either I understand that <clears throat> and then um. Was it the the Drake one that went, you know, the Cardinals? I, I guess that one's a little more because what they gave up, what a, the Cardinals only gave up, what a fifth rounder for him? And six. yeah, a, a sixth. Sorry. Yeah. Sixth that maybe can become a fifth. But uh, uh, like I say, that was, that was a really low price for just to get a, you basically just need a body in there, you know? Like I don't see what the point was of, of nickel and diamond on that one. But, uh, you know, the penny was a high price tag, but, you know, they need something like we had that big argument back in the day. You were so high on Ty Johnson and I 
I just act like he was a bottom of the roster, bottom of the depth chart running back type of guy with maybe a little upside speed. And here he is at the top of the depth chart and, and hasn't done anything, but he hasn't really even been given great opportunities in the pass game or the run game. So like, I have no clue what they're doing unless Bob Quinn just thinks, uh, oh, I just get by with anybody because, I mean, he's got a mishmash back there. It's not I, – I don't get it. So, yeah, they, they – uh, I don't know why they wouldn't give a six for Kenyon Drake. That was that was odd to me. Yeah, that's – like you said, it just seems like they have all these backs and they don't give uh, – they, they were obviously, you know, giving carry-on a lot of touches and, and maybe Patricia wants to – have like that you know that main you know bell cow running back but uh now it's like he's not there or like even when he's on there they're like almost like throwing anybody in there and they gotta like okay whose turn is it to go play running back okay you go ahead you go for a couple carries okay now it's your turn you go it's like i don't know and you always hear that story you always hear those saying like running backs you know they get you know once they get warmed off they get that they get that frost going the more carries they get and they can go it's just seems like nobody ever really gets in a rhythm and I don't know. It's just I'm just confused as well. Yeah, I was going to say, i got to stop you real quick because the Lions have not been able to run the ball for over a decade now. And even when they have somebody decent, like you say, they don't they don't both know how to use them or, or workhorse them. So, like, they're just totally caught in the middle with not only do they not have a workhorse, which we're finding out that carry on, even if he has some, some burst and ability, it's kind of like – He's probably not that workhorse guy. And even when he was healthy, they didn't really use him that way. They just kind of gave him, oh, hey, here's 15 carries and we'll mix a few other people in. So I just have no idea what they're doing. And like the only teams that that get away with no running backs are the teams that just sling it all day or the teams that have been doing it for years where they can just plug in anybody because of their offensive line or because, you know, of their scheme and just run the football. And we're the complete opposite of that. Like, it doesn't matter who we draft on the offensive line. We can't run. It doesn't matter what scheme we have. We can't run. So why would we think all of a sudden in 2019, when carry on goes down, Oh, we'll just piece it together with a six round rookie and a bunch of other people off the scrap heap. Like people were like, I heard somebody go, Oh, they, they did okay on Sunday in the run game. I'm like, they did because they they ended up with like a another high carry guy of like 20 to 30 yards. I mean, I I don't know what we're watching other than like you said it's all on Stafford, but like it's it's crazy to me. So real quick on that, um they they did bring in Jay Ajayi for a workout and uh Bo Scarborough. So Ajayi's like a name, but he's obviously been out of the league. I think he lives over in London or something. Big old guy, though. I remember when he was coming out, you know, I liked him out of Boise. I actually took him in my virtual picks. I think I got him in the third or fourth round when the Lions were actually on the clock because he's big. He could catch. He could run. I knew his knees were made out of wood, uh, <laughs> but he's been pretty decent in the league. And then he just kind of got bounced out of the league and nobody will touch him. So I was like, hey, if he comes in here for next to nothing, can't be any worse you can use them on first and second down and and you know figure out how to use ty johnson and keep using mckissick the way you've been which is more of a gadget guy but doesn't look like they're bringing him in and then bo scarborough i went and watched some more stuff on youtube on him i mean i don't know what the beef has been with him either he obviously played at alabama he's a beast big guy fast uh broke a bunch of you know measurables at the combine and bounced around from dallas to seattle to you know the 
the bowling alley, as we'd say here on the show. I mean, I, I don't know why you wouldn't just say, hey, Bo Scarborough, here's the league nothing minimum or even just barely like a, a tryout type offer. Get your butt in here. We're going to run you uh, 10 times a game. I'm, I, again, we're not, uh, we're not there. We don't know all these intricacies. But to me, either of those guys are better than just going without especially if you still don't know how, how to use Ty Johnson. Like, hey, here's a thought. Pitch it to him. Throw it to him in space. Throw him some uh, throw him some screens. Like, uh, you know, let him use his speed. Don't run him up the middle in a cloud of dust every, you know, eight to ten times a game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, and, and we, can, we can talk about that during the game, um, especially when it comes to the last play, and we can discuss that, and we're having a Scarborough or Jay Ajayi or something like that could have made the difference in that situation. But uh, we'll talk about that when we cover the game because I don't want to harp on that now because I know we're going to obviously get to that when we uh, critique this game coming up. Yeah. Last thing I'll say on it, man, if, if I got to pick between the two, just give me Bo Scarborough because I, I don't know if he's got any juice. Uh, he's still young. He's big. He's basically like Jay Ajayi's size and, and, and he's faster and he's way younger and – I mean, just give it a give him a look. Bring him in here, put a jersey on him, and get him out there. Is you know, get him up to speed and see what he can do. Same with Paul Perkins. Like they haven't, they've given him like maybe five total carries. I mean, so my buddy's like, "Oh, you said you like Paul Perkins." I'm like, "I kind of do." The guy's got like three carries. I mean, what what do you want from him? Like, how's he gonna even show it to you? So anyway, hopefully that gets straight. But that's kind of the news and notes, the trades that came out, as well as uh, just this issue at running back. Grifka, before we head to our first break, uh, do you want to talk about some midseason type stuff? And and again, this I always have to remind you, this is the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I'm trying to serve up that Detroit Kool-Aid to the people. Drink it in, man. So you know I'm going to go positive. You know I got to get some uh, twist your arm to make you think about what positive has happened this season because we'll get to it later. But everybody knows that you quit on Twitter and that you hate the team. Yeah, uh, hate's a pretty strong word. Um but uh, I think the biggest positive, really, and it's one of those things that, I don't know, I don't want to say scares me per se. I guess that's lack of a better term at this point. The positive is really what Matt Stafford has done. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that I know we were kind of questioning it earlier, you know, before the season. Has he, you know, has he kind of hit his wall? He's on the downside of his career. You know, he's been around here. He's taken a lot of beatings. You know, um, Daryl Bevel's come in and seems to really have rejuvenated his career. Um, the biggest thing um, that, like I said, that scares me or I guess worries me is that, you know, as other teams adjust to, the, you know, Bevel's playbook, realize what they do, you know, kind of maybe, you know, towards his tendencies, you know, once again, it's like we always talk about Stafford's window closing, you know, it could be getting to that point, you know, maybe next year, you know, is it going to expect maybe another, you know, carbon copy of this year it might not happen because teams will scheme up different things against them so it's it seems like we're just you know kind of wasting a, a great year out of Matt Stafford and really it seems like this is his most productive year that he's had and as, as long as I can remember where he looks effective he's not turning the ball over he's not gunslinging in areas I know we had that pick in the Raiders game but still he seems to be you know going deep we're always talking unleash the arm He's doing that. I mean, deep balls, you know, it's just, it's really nice to see. And that's probably my biggest positive um, considering we were questioning what this offense might look like early in the year or before the season started. 
All right, Grifko. Well, I was about to stop you because that's not the game we're playing. I'm going to throw questions to you that have a positive outlook, and you're going to give me your answers. But because you went on like a five-minute diatribe about something positive with the Lions, I let you keep going. And I agree with you. Uh, Matt Stafford has been incredibly uh, positive and a, and a great bright spot this year, and that's that's excellent. I mean, uh, you know, I don't really subscribe to the fact, uh, you and others, about that it's just chalk it up already as a wasted season. Again, we've played eight football games. Last time I checked, there's 16 football games in a season, and uh, he's playing great. There's a, there's some holes around him as well as, uh, you know, on defense. But, you know, he's got the two top receivers in the game from a touchdown perspective. So uh, let's let's go back to where we were, Grifka. Mid, mid-season awards and questions for you with a positive spin from Oakry. So, Grifka, your best surprise of the 2019 season here at the midpoint for the Lions, whether it be a player – just something going on that you've seen with our favorite football team. Um, best surprise, um, I guess player-wise, it would be um, Tracy Walker. I really like what he's turned into. I mean, it's, it's his injury. I, I think it did affect the team, you know, some last game. But uh, really, I, he's, he's done a lot more than I thought he would. I know we were talking that we were hoping he would take a step forward, wondering what his plan for this team, what, what they had planned for him, but he's really impressed me. It's going to be uh, Tracy Walker. Grifka doesn't happen often on the show, but if this is family feud, that is incredible. That's what I have as well. Tracy Walker is the best surprise, uh, an absolute dog on defense, uh, both with his play, his mentality, his 18-foot arms that are just waggling all over the field. And uh, I think we got ourselves a nasty, nasty safety that can cover, that can come down and get after tight ends. And I'm really pumped to uh, have him, especially looking at the asset, another third-round pick that a lot of people – hated me included was didn't know a ton about Tracy or didn't have him atop my radar at that point. And, uh, here he is in, in basically, uh, coming into his own, I would say, and looking like kind of a cornerstone piece that we can build around. I mean, don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you can kind of just watch this guy and sort of see that he should be a impactful piece for that defense. So, uh, we, we agree on the best surprise Grifka, Keeping it positive. Drink it in, man. The best play of the year so far. The best play? You heard me. I, I would. The one, we saw it. And I know it didn't lead to a touchdown, but opening that Monday night game with that flea flicker, that was the most surprising thing to us. I mean, like I said, when we saw the play, when it, when it happened, you were like, and you know your high-pitched voice you know because the excitement and it, it worked it's just you know you got you you know tackle sort of a touchdown to me and it would have been the most perfect play if it was a touchdown and i know the lines have ran that a couple other times and you know they scored against the giants but you know who was nobody nobody was thinking that flea flicker to open the play on monday night green bay so that's really my favorite play of the even though they lost the game um my favorite play of the year so far Grifka, after my high pitch flea flicker, it was probably followed by this. Oh, baby! I knew he was unleashing it downfield, or as Steffer likes to say, cut it loose. Uh, I love that play. I thought we had the same play again, but unfortunately, family feud. Oh! Nope. Uh, when you said we were there, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to agree with Grifka twice. I'm, I can't believe this is happening. We're going to have to cancel the show. But, uh, 
to me, man, the best play is the third down against the Chargers, man. Me sitting right next to you and you doing the same old thing that every couch potato does that loves football. Oh, God, just run it, Oakry. Take the timeouts away and try to hold on. And I said, nope, this is where you're at home. What was it, game two of the season? You uh, you you go for it on third there and, and get the first down in the football game. And when they did, I just felt like that was the first time in a while where I felt like they went for it. I felt like they put the dagger in somebody and they weren't scared. And that's what I wanted to see um, consistently and, and throughout the season. So that was my play of the year, the third down play action pass, Jesse James versus the L.A. Chargers, me and you in the seats, me going nuts, you we're crying, and then you were going nuts with me. Uh, big W as we head out of Ford Field. So that was my play of the year so far. Hopefully more to come. Grifka, your top rookie so far. Make, make sure you think about this, please, before you answer. I'm thinking. Cornbread! Thinking. 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 I... I Right now, I think you could pretty much all throw them all in a basket and pull them all out. Each one, you know, I guess of the top three or picks have had their highs and lows. But, I mean, you know, Hawkinson's had his best game since his first game, last game. Um, Tavai looks good and, you know, sticking people at some points, but there's points where he looks kind of lost on the field. You know, um, in, in Harris, there's points where he looks really good on special teams coverage here and there but he does still get burned a little bit oh gosh i, I guess I mean, if you're forcing me to answer i guess i'd have to go with hawkinson simply because he had that first game uh, he's gonna live off that <laughs> what was that we missed your incredible analysis at the end because rod awesome. allen was excited that you uh, love tight ends i said he's gonna live off that first game for a while you know and, and you know so He's he's had a couple other fifty yard games and um he you know, every once in a while he, he has some good blocks and every once in a while I mean he's a rookie so he gets beat. That's what happens. But uh I think what he's done is shown a little more than either Tavai or Harris or you know, let, let, let me get in there. Let me get in there before you put the people to sleep. Come on now. Uh, I, I'm we not all know. Excited about our rookie, so yeah, yeah, we can tell you. Uh, you're, we, I play the cricket sound effect, but everybody is exiting the show while you depress everybody. Let, let me talk to the people here. Let me talk to the Kool Aid drinkers first of all. I put a little thing out, a little poll out on Twitter late last week. And I was like, I'm really curious what you guys think of Jelani Tavai because. I just didn't know where people were on this guy. You know, he's kind of had some moments. He hasn't, you know, he's been hit or miss. And uh, I was really surprised. Like there was a, a few people that thought he's been excellent. You know, I think 75 to 80% thought he's been above average. And there was probably only like 20% that feel like he's either been below average or below expectations. So that kind of surprised me. I thought there'd be more people with below expectations just because, you know, if you're not a, blowing the world away, especially as that kind of a second rounder, people tend to sour on you quickly. I, I fall in that, uh, above expectations, but, but not excellent. You know, you can see that if he gets some more seasoning, he could really be a solid player. Now you have to figure out how to use him a little bit more. I mean, is he a middle linebacker? Is he, uh, you know, just a thumper on first and second down or are there other ways you can use him? Cause really he's kind of just been a run stuffer for my opinion, but 
you've seen him in the backfield a few times, this, that, and the other. So Tavai was was up there for me, but unfortunately, uh, we're going to have to, I guess fortunately, we'll have to agree on this one. Uh, because everybody knows it's TJ Hawkinson. Now, I was telling the big Hughes just the other day, I said, I said, like, where are you at on Hawkinson? Because for me, like, obviously I support the pick. I think he's a meat and potatoes, good football player. But here, halfway through the season, I mean, his numbers are a bit lower than I want. He's dropped a few touchdowns that have really frustrated me. And, And the thing that I really brought out to Hughes, and I said, really all he's done is get what's been there for him. Like he, every pass you go back and watch pretty much other than a few where he's made contested catches, he's either wide open on crossers or he's sitting there, you know, on the sideline open catches it. And yeah, he's turned some upfield and that's been nice to see, you know, wow, we have a tight end that can catch. And once he catches it, he can actually get up and go rather than, you know, me which would catch it, try to hurdle a guy or just fall out of bounds, you know, two yards in front of him. Like Hawkinson can do some things, but what he hasn't done, which I'm waiting on is like, when are you going to, when are you going to just be somebody in the middle of the field and go up and get one or get a contested catch, throw somebody on the ground, then go for 20, you know, because Bethel can scheme you up all he wants. But what we really need is a guy that can make plays, you know, when he's contested, when there's a guy right in his face, can, get off a jam can, you know, just be put out in the slot and everybody knows like you're not going to be able to deal with 88, you know, and I don't feel like we're there yet, but I think with a simple eye test, you know, TJ Hawkinson is the guy, you know, when it comes to rookies, uh, you know, if, unless he starts beasting up in as far as numbers and impact, you know, people are always going to beat him up for being number eight, but they got to use him better too. Not only he got to be a little bit better, but they've got to feature the guy. They've got to, get more out of him. And some of that comes to just saying, Hey, we're just going to put you out here in the slot or, or on the end of the line and you just get open and we're coming to you, you know, six, eight, 10 times a game. And then he'll, he'll make the type of impact that he should with that type of draft pick. So TJ Hawkinson, we're on the same page. I just got a couple more Rifka, your top free agent so far, halfway through. So top free agent for the team so far. Um, I know some people are going to probably want me to say Flowers or Coleman because that's who they spend a lot of money on. Um, Do you think anybody out there thinks you're going to say Flowers, Griffey? You hated the guy since game two. He's starting to play a little better. Oh, wow. Um, Imagine that. I mean, you, you would have cut him already. Coleman. Coleman just got beasted by Hunter Renfro. Oh, you know, a slow white guy on on Sunday. So that really kind of makes me sour on him. Um, Man, a couple, one, one or two plays. He just got to, he just sucks. Mike Daniels has been pretty effective riding pine with his foot injury. So, uh, um, I'm sorry that he, they got hurt. I mean, what a, what a terrible thing. That never (laughs) happens in football. Just hold that against them his whole life. Uh, so I get, um, yeah, I will go with, uh, you know, cause he's been playing better. And, uh, even though those hands of the face causing green Bay were garbage, I will, uh, I'll have to go with flowers. <laughs> Griffka, are you honestly going to do that on the show? Like you've, you've ragged this guy and now he starts making a couple plays and now he's your top free agent signing so far. Really? Really? Well, like I said, Coleman, Coleman just got beasted by what a sixth round 
white wide receiver in the slot, you know, and so, uh, yeah, okay. And actually Coleman's game is he hasn't had a last couple games haven't been, you know, all that great. Um, and, uh, I, I really can't, I, I really can't say like Melvin. I mean, Melvin's been doing okay, but these guys are giving up, you know, passing yards, like, you know, they're handing out candy on Halloween. So I guess I'll go with flowers. <laughs> oh man, everybody out there is just laughing at you for that. But Trey Flowers, as I said on the show, I mean, oh my gosh, he played six, five, three games and everybody was burning his jersey like hold on and here he comes hustle plays getting after the quarterback you know getting a little bit healthier like Trey Flowers is going to be fine he'll be a solid piece will he ever be a a 10 fifth well not 10 is he ever going to be an upper echelon sack guy no I don't I don't think so now that you kind of see him in this type of scheme but I think he'll be in that double digit range as well as lots of quarterback pressures and hits when it's all said and done so that that's not my answer Griffco you took about 30 minutes to come up with that I'm just I'm just like love it that you picked a guy that you've hated on so long but the obvious answer Griffco I, I don't need 30 minutes I don't need five minutes I don't need one minute I don't need this music like like you did I don't need to bust out the jeopardy background music at all like the obvious answer, Grifka, is Danny Amendola has been the best free agent signing. This guy, I, I said on Twitter the other day, you know, uh, me and I think it was Logan were uh, talking. He put something out and uh, about the trade, you know, Golden Tate, I think, made that catch on Monday Night Football. He put something out and I said, Danny Amendola is our new GT. I mean, he's he's in the slot. He makes plays. He runs after catch. They scheme him open. And he's cheaper, he's grittier, he's grimier, like, you know, he's just been excellent in a Lions uniform. So I think this guy has uh, lived up to every little bit they paid him. You know, I think it was four or five million bucks. Everybody was up in arms. Like, he's been tremendous. So what I said to Logan, I said, give me Danny in the slot over GT. Give me Will Harris with that third round pick. And, and give me the money savings. You know, I think GT's making what? upwards of 10 plus million probably with the giants like give me five of that million to do some other stuff with like i really like that from all different aspects so amandola has been the guy love what he does in the locker room as well as from a work ethic perspective so he's the uh, top free agent it's really not uh, not close you know when you're talking about right now now who's going to be the the big dog when it's all said and done yeah that was that was your answer which again totally made me laugh Griffka, i got one more are you ready all right, hold on. I'm I'm queuing up this uh, Jeopardy music uh, just in case you take a, another hour. Griffka, the the best storyline, the best you know topic, the best thing that you've enjoyed. Again, don't go negative on us. The best thing you've enjoyed for through the first half of the season with the Detroit Lions. It would have to be the new offense. This offense is exciting to watch. It's been a number of years since uh, it, it seems like we can just throw up points when we need to. And uh, there's points. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is the NFL, so teams do make adjustments. And there's points where the Lions do get some snags. But this team is fun to watch. They, you know, throwing the ball downfield like we've been asking for. Um, like I said, the only, the only thing is if, if we could just run the ball a little better. But, you know, using McKissick in the gadget plays. If they could figure out how to use Ty Johnson, if Carrion could ever stay healthy, that would have that would have been a big plus. But this offense has just been the most surprising thing that and it just makes the offense fun to watch. They always seem to be in the game because of it.
Grifka, another rare occurrence. Uh, that's not my answer, but I agree with you. The offense has been good. It's been dang good. I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty, 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 Why? pretty good. I'm feeling pretty dang good about this offense and about Daryl Bevel. We are going to get to our Raiders review where I'm sure you and many others online uh, have beat this guy up. But overall, he's been really good, a really good storyline. I like that answer. Um, my best storyline this year, just from a um, an entertainment value as well as just keeping your attention, has been all the um, – all the back and forth around the trade deadline of what we're going to get, what we weren't going to get, all that uh, rumor and innuendo, as we say. And I put Slay on here. I think Slay has just been, you know, he's he's usually balling out. The media loves him. All of a sudden, he's talking noise and sounds like he wants out of here. Then they don't trade him, and now he's sort of in that middle ground. So all the stuff that went on before the trade deadline and all the disappointment of us just saying, wow, we got rid of Quandre, which is actually proven to be decent because I don't think he suited up for Seattle. And I heard his injury is quite a bit worse than uh, expected. So maybe we can do something with that fifth rounder, but uh, Slay has been crazy. And I'm just curious to see what happens. Does he ball out the rest of the year and make some plays or do we not hear much from him? And he says, well, they don't throw at me and uh, they trade him in the off season. I'm really, uh, curious because like i say darius slay is a big asset not only on the field but to other teams as well so seeing what happens with him both you know now uh, a few weeks ago and in the future is kind of my my base or most interesting storyline so far uh i guess for this team when it when it comes to you know my interest level so um grifka that was good man working through some stuff like i said i tried to spin a lot of that positive i thought we'd do that before we uh, get to this game review so how about we take a quick word from our sponsors we'll be back talking all things lions raiders from this past sunday get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering voicelessly. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. 
He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Grifka, we are back after the break. I'm sure there's a sly smile on your face for me playing that uh, intro. You predicted the Lions would lose to the Raiders. You admitted your man love for the Raiders last week. You said this was one of the greatest songs of all time. I don't know that many Lions fans think it's that great after that game, as well as having to hear it 10 times in the background uh, throughout that football game. But here we are, Grifka, a loss to the Oakland Raiders. Um, We're going to talk all about it. Any initial thoughts before we get into it? You have your Raiders jersey on. Uh, no, I don't have a Raiders jersey. I used to have a Raiders t-shirt, though, when I was in high school. I will admit to that. I, I did have a Raiders t-shirt. It was black and it had the uh, silver symbol right on it. Love that. You know, I, did. I didn't like it at the time, but now, like, looking back, it was pretty sweet when the Pistons rocked the black and silver uh, Raiders gear back in the bad boy days. I know there's still some of that merch out there, and that was pretty cool. But that's my only little half-love for the uh, Oakland Raiders. All right, go ahead. But yeah, my uh, thoughts on the game, um, uh, yeah, yeah, we can go more in depth, but uh, just uh, they seem they seem to play to their competition on that game, and uh, very disappointing that they weren't able to come out of Oakland uh, with, with a W. Grifka, I'm going to tell you why this game was not something to totally freak out about. We want to win every game, but this wasn't some atrocity or some you know, terrible football game on either side. And we just, we, we wish would have came out with a dub ski. So, um, let's fade that music down. Let's go ahead and get into this thing. Um, you know, right out the gate, the Detroit lions come out and they have a great little drive down the field, you know, Dinkin and Duncan, I think it was seven, eight plays. You know, we were on their side of the football field, probably within the inside the 40, I'd say, if not closer. And sure enough, a dang missed handoff creates a fumble. To me, this was one of those shake-your-head type of plays as well as, a, you know, I, I couldn't really tell who it was on, you know, from the replay. It felt like the running back just missed it, but I know they gave Stafford the fumble. I mean, these are the type of dumb crap that you can't do on the road in the NFL no matter who you are. Yeah, that uh, that uh, really hurt, but it, it, was, it, was, it was nice to see that they were driving the ball. I know we had talked about in the preview that the Raiders defense really didn't scare us. You know, that the uh, defensive backfield wasn't, you know, wasn't, wasn't that great. And I'm not too worried about the pass rush. And they, they did have a couple nice runs there on that first drive. So I thought maybe they would be able to run the ball a little better than what they did on the day. But it was nice to see that, you know, Stafford was finding the open guy. And, our, you know, our wide receivers out, you know, on that drive just seemed to be kind of running wild and free. So, you know, even though they did fumble, I'm like, okay, just stop them, get the ball back, because we didn't think uh, Oakland's offense was that great either. Um, which, um, we we kind of we were kind of uh, I guess wrong with that statement. Sorry, I was doing something else. Delayed bell. Um, so I I'm with you on all that. Like this is my thing. Is like you said, I didn't freak out at the fumble because of how we're moving it, but it just seemed like one of those things that you just. I mean, a simple handoff. These are things that you do. You know, ninety. 8% of the time, fine. But in a game like this, you couldn't have something like that. And then what topped it off was the Raiders go right down the dang field. 
uh, 11 play drives, 68 yards, two yard touchdown from Josh Jacobs. You know, not too much of an issue getting in the end zone for him. That that was disconcerting to see Raiders go up seven zip. Um, but what I liked, again, I'll throw this to you. Again, the, the Lions come right back out on a nine play, 75-yard drive, bing, bam, boom, down the field in less than four minutes. A two-yard touchdown, really nice throw to the back part of the end zone. Great leaping catch by Marvin Jones. 7-7 seven, seven, uh, before you can blink and before we end the first quarter. So I like the answer again by the Lions. Yeah, that's, uh, like I said, they – you know, said in the first drive, they're moving the ball, and they just continued doing it in the second one. And at that point right there, I thought this game was probably going to turn out to be like 48-45 after seeing that. <laughs> yeah, um, like you say, two, uh, two back and forth there. But we end the first quarter only 7-7. Uh, starting the second quarter, the Raiders uh, able to put together a 10-play 50-yard drive and get a 32-yard field goal. I think that was one of those where it's kind of like, um, you know, Lions had had got a stop, you know, 50-yard field goal. You're hoping for a shank of some sort. He was able to make it, put him up 10-7. But uh, here's, the, here's the big play. Lions come right back with under, I mean, three plays, 73 yards, two-minute drive, basically a 59-yard TD to Kenny. Uh, just an absolute great throw catch Kenny cutting across the grain just using his speed get to the end zone another play that uh, this guy's just coming into his own man Matt Stafford I remember when he threw this and they showed the replay I just said man Matt Stafford is just so on point with these deep balls and with his just overall throwing of the football right now it seems like you know he's just if you're open and, and it's deep he's putting it on you and these guys are house calling which has been a, a rarity the last couple of years yeah, it's, I love to see them, like I said, open up the offense that way. And Stafford is, you know, throwing up those 50-50 balls in his, um, in his team. His play, it, Galladay, Jar- Jones seemed to be making the proper adjustments and coming down with them. And even Chris Spielman did mention that during the game. Yeah, this wasn't even really a 50-50. It was kind of one of those nice design plays, and he just ripped it down the sideline, and Kenny ready as he caught it, made that juke move, got up the field and scored, which is great. So 14-10, Lions take the lead. Got to love that. Um, sure enough, you know, before we can even get to halftime, the Raiders have another extended drive, 11 plays, 80 yards. I mean, just long um, play drives, except for that Kenny and uh, – Go up 17-14 just before the uh, before the halftime there with a minute 12 left. So that, that kind of took the wind out of my sails because I knew they were um, getting the football, I believe, after the half. So I always hate to see that at touchdown under two minutes, knowing they're getting the ball back and putting them ahead. I just – if I can go into the locker room with a lead, I like to do that. Yeah, um, like you said, because Oakland was getting the ball in the first half and they seemed to be moving the ball pretty good. I, I got a little worried right there. I'm just like, oh, jeez. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, even if you can, you know, go down and score right before the half when the other team has, you know, is going to get the ball, it kind of, I don't want to say it takes the wind out of the sails, but it kind of changes what they may be looking to do coming out at the beginning of the second half. So what happened with the Lions, you know, right before halftime, it, uh, it just uh, – I don't know. It just uh, took a little wind out of my sails. <laughs> um, 17-14, Raiders at the break. Uh, they come out of the break, get the football. Lions do get a stop, get them to, uh, to uh, you know, punt the football. No, no points until Matt Prater ends up hitting a uh, – 
Um, 23 yard field goal I have here. I can't remember what led up to that, but if you're quick in a 23 yarder, you must have stalled out right around the goal line, which is never good. So, um, yeah, it's 17 17. You tied it up, but I'm sure they would have liked to get a touchdown there when you're kicking that short of a field goal. So disappointing, but again, like I. The NFL is so crazy, man. You might as well just start the game in the fourth quarter tied because that's basically how almost every game goes. So we're heading into the final quarter tied up in this football game. And uh, sure enough, the Raiders put together, tell me if you've heard this before, a nine-play, 80-yard drive, clocking almost five minutes of of time and uh, throwing to, hey, Grifka, have you heard this before? to a tight end inside the three-yard line for basically a wide-open touchdown. Foster Moreau, of all people, like uh, how we get burned by a scrub like that or a rookie like that or a tight end, again, drives me nuts. 24-17, Raiders. Yeah, that was the play where they got down there and they rushed three. I mean, the defense line's been playing all year. They rushed three, drop eight, but... If you watch the play, actually one of the, I can't remember who it was, one of the three actually kind of dropped off as well. So it's more like they like just rushed two guys and dropped nine, and Moreau was still like wide open. I mean, there was nine guys in that in that end zone area, and Moreau was still standing by himself. So that was, I, I don't know, That's, that's that one just kind of really, to be honest, it really pissed me off is what it is. It's just like, you know, other teams, you know, you'll see it, you know, usually when teams get near the goal line, they want to bring a whole lot of people, try to make the quarterback make a quick read. That way your defense isn't running around as much, but they, you know, dropped, dropped another rusher and they rushed two guys and Moreau was still standing wide open. So here's my problem though, because I was upset with this too. And it was for a different reason, because when you drop all these people, the Lions have not done well this year with dropping all these people and like having these incredible, you know, disguised guys underneath where they dart in front of the football or they make some incredible play on the ball. They just drop all these people and still get burnt right in front of them or still give up these chunk plays. So a lot of times when teams drop a bunch is because they're, they're not only disguising, but they're passing off routes. So a guy can, you know, come in from a linebacker and, and, you know, intercept a slant or do something tricky like that. The Lions on this play dropped all these people. And like you said, uh, not only was he wide open, it's because, like, they not only dropped them all, but they were like, oh, we're also going to just pass off every route. And, like, nobody knew who was passing off what. So this guy basically just went inside. The corner let him go. The linebacker didn't even look like he knew he was there. And he just threw an easy ball for a touchdown. Like, I mean, I don't have an issue with dropping a bunch of people if you're going to create turnovers or if you're going to really confuse the quarterback. But if you're just going to drop a bunch of people, not cover anybody, and also like do it down the goal line where you you don't see that kind of coverage, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I got to admit, and it wasn't executed well, so that compounded it. So 24-17, really disappointing uh, play, drive, everything, you know, when it comes to giving up another short one. Wide open, again, if there's one thing, it was contested, but to get these touchdowns where nobody's even in the screen by tight ends that don't matter is annoying to me. And then the Lions come right back down, though, and this was, again, one of my favorite plays of the year, just how pretty it was, well-designed, put it right on him. Beautiful ball to J.D. McKissick from 26 yards out from Stafford. Just waltzes in the end zone, uh, 24-24. And we've got, 
what was it? It looks like there's five minutes left here in the fourth quarter when this occurred. Yeah, at that point, um, once again, I'm like, okay, new life, we're back to good. You know, we got this, just come on, defense, show up. This is where we really need to step up, considering they were, uh, at that point, they had pretty much struggled most of the game. And um, I was just like, okay, okay, just get a stop. It's, yeah, I, I know you kind of always bust on me for saying stuff like that. It's just like, but that's that's what I felt right there. I'm like, okay, we're back we're back to good. Just, okay, come on, defense, just do, do what you got to do. You know, get the ball back to the offense. Yep, and and we're we've got only you know two basically more plays to talk about here. But Griff, can I need to take a quick time out and talk to the Detroit Kool Aid drinkers because we've we've worked through this game. We talked about the good things and some uh, mid-season type stuff. We're we're like under five minutes in the fourth quarter. This game's tied up. You're on the road. Yeah, you're not playing the the Patriots or the uh, or the San Francisco 49ers this year, or whatever. But you're playing a West Coast road game. You've been back and forth all day. Your offense has been cooking. Your defense, again, no turnovers. Like, to me, every game, I, I know I've said it before, and I'm going to continue to say it. Like, any of these games where we come out of it with basically no turnovers, no impact plays, I bet you the percentages are in the low, you know, 25% that you win. Because the minute you get turnovers, fumbles, you know, sacks, that's when you win football games. And the Lions seem to have none of those in this game. But here we are, under five minutes tied up and like you said all you got to do defense get a stop our offense guarantee could get the ball back down into field goal range the way they've been playing sure enough they give up a seven play 75 yard drive and here's what here's what chaps me grifka third and nine you know not even like a a short third down. I mean, I think this was inside the uh or just outside the 10 maybe where they could get a first down maybe at the two or something. So it's basically it's a it's a third and goal from outside the 10. And and you let Derek Carr run around, you barely miss a few tackles, whatever it is. You let him just scamper out. I'm just thinking, okay, he's about to throw it away, throw it away. He just runs around, does the old Aaron Rodgers, waits to get right to the sideline, boom, throws a just a BB in there to Hunter Renfro, as you said earlier, who it, it just didn't even have much, you know, resistance. It just felt like an easy touchdown when this is a play. Not only should you have brought the house and made him not only get rid of it quick, but penned him in, but then you let him get out, just waltz, have a nice waltz in the park and then throw an easy touchdown to a slow white receiver. As you said, that uh, is a rookie that should not be open like that, that tight in the goal line, man, this play pissed me off. And, uh, you know, again, I got to say, okay, well, here we go. Stafford, you got a minute and a couple timeouts. Let's see you do some things. I mean, how many times do I got to say that? It's just, it's getting annoying. And I think it's getting annoying because the last few times I've said it, it hasn't turned out in the end. Yeah, that's, I remember was, it always seemed like that years ago. I mean, Stafford had that one year, he was always like coming back and, you know, snatching, you know, on victories from the jaws of defeat. But, you know, early on his career, it seemed like when the Lions needed him to do that, it was one of those things where, you know, like you said, it was it was four quick downs and out, or you'd be, like, moving, get halfway down the field and they throw an interception. But it seems like of late, though, they're moving the ball pretty good, and then when they need that one last key play, it just doesn't happen. And it's just pretty much what happened there. It's like, once again, for all the talk, they're always trying to take as much pressure off Stafford as possible. It seems like he's still the man that has to, uh, you know, once again, try to come in, you know, riding on the white horse and save the day. 
Yeah. Uh, real quick, my my thing is I'll text like Hughes, Chops, some of my other buddies, and say like, you know, like you said, they always say, "Oh, Stafford just you know comes up a little short." I I consistently keep saying, "Defense, get me one stop, make one play on third down," and like the last handful of games, it's just been, you know, it, they don't get it. They maybe get a penalty. I mean, again, I I the refs kill me every week, but this felt like again, like all you really had to do was make a play there and let it keep them to a field goal on that third down. We go down as we're going to talk about and would easily kick a field goal, if not score a touchdown and win it. So anyway, I know we're going uh, a bit longer, so let's get to it. This should have probably been the first thing we talked about. The Lions drive all the way down, beautiful throws. You know, we got one uh, pass interference, which helped us, but it was it was blatant. You know, it was blatant contact. Stafford threw one in where I think it was Logan Thomas uh, got to the one. Unfortunately, for some reason, he couldn't stretch it out or, you know, the one we're scrambling around. I'm thinking like they really didn't look like they had anything figured out. And the stupid Oakland Raiders take a timeout. I'm thinking, oh, thank you. Like now we'll go ahead and draw something up nice, you know, or even, you know, just put our receivers out wide. And I think they had Nevin Lawson in the game at that point. He was getting roasted and toasted. So whoever he's guarding, just throw it to them. That'd be easy touchdown. And Grifka, tell the people not only what they did, but your reaction, because it, it blows my mind. I'm still frustrated with it. And it all came down to one play. I always say NFL games are a few plays. This one came down to one snap on the one or two yard line. Our team can either tie it or I told Hughes before the drive, I said, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to kick it or go for two? And he's like, oh, kick it. And I'm like, Hughes, I'm winning this game after we score a touchdown. I'm not putting that defense back out on the field right now. I'm, I'm going to win it with a two-point conversion. And t- talk about this play that they drew up on on fourth and and nothing to tie up the ball game or win it. I, I don't understand. Um, I find the sound, but you, when, when they lined up and, and what they lined up, and this leads me back to what we were talking about, not having that not having that, you know, that big back, you know, anybody like that, that can say, can say like, okay, we're at the one, there's a, uh, there's a chance here. We're going to hand it off to our horse and he's just going to plow through and and score a touchdown from the one. They don't have that. And so when they lined up, I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? What the hell are you doing? Exactly. Because even the Raiders had to realize this. It's like, oh, we're going to run it in. They got to be going. Who are you going to hand it to? You barely move the ball running all day, and now you're going to try to trick us with, like, with like no big back there, but you're going to line up, you know, oh, we got a heavy set. We're going to do this. And <laughs> no, watch, note to, no, to Daryl Bevel. What the hell? What the hell? What the hell are you doing? Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if you watch the play, it, I, 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 you, you've probably watched this play 100 times. Watch that. Even like the linebackers don't bite on anything. The end, if they got to be thinking flare pass out of the backfield because the end doesn't even come in or doesn't crash down. He's watching the running back in the backfield just in case if 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 the guy flares out into the flat, so that's going to be guarded. Um, when Logan Thomas comes off the line, he's guarded instantaneously. So even the Raiders, there was no way fooling them because they had to realize there's no back that you have back that, that you're going to hand off to, and you haven't had success running the ball up the middle all game. So, it, yeah, when I saw the lineup, I thought to myself, what are you doing? 
What and, the hell are you doing? And we saw what it turned out. We saw what it turned out, you know, to be. But even before the play lined up, I, I'm going to agree with you on this. I'm thinking to myself, you got to go for two because they haven't stopped them, and they're just going to march down the field. I mean, yeah, they stopped them a couple times, you know, there in the fourth quarter where they got punts, but there's no way you had to be thinking to yourself considering they just went down before that and scored, you know, thinking to yourself, well, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to come up with a stop. You have to go for two there, but just if if you didn't you know, go down, break down that play like I just did, you watch it, everybody's going to be guarded no matter what because the Raiders knew they didn't have the they didn't have the offensive line that had you know was running all game, or they didn't have a big back in there to plow it in you know from the one. So that was that's just a noggin scratch of a play call. And for all those people out there that are blaming Matt Stafford for this loss, come on, man. There's been plenty of times he's you know it's just it makes you like, gosh, what are you thinking? What are you doing? But this one's what nowhere the hell near are on you Stafford. Doing? This you know this one's nowhere near on Stafford. This one's all on that defense that's just giving up yards and like it's a seven on seven, you know, high school seven on seven game at the Elite Eleven or something. So, Grifka, I'll keep it short because you did the opposite of that. Like when when they come out and, and there's that shot on Fox of Kenny and Marvin going to the sideline. I mean, what do you think was going through Lions uh, fans' heads? I mean, I think, I, I think it, it was. I think you played yeah, it like four I, or five times already. Yeah, I think I was trying to get to it there. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. Everybody at home is going. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> like they they line up in heavy. We never line up in. If anything, Matt Stafford should have been the shotgun with five wides. I mean, I don't care if you're on the one or whatever. That's not only what we do. That's what we've been having success with all day. So the fact that you thought you were going to bring in a heavy set with no running back and our Joe Dahl or whoever our, our left guard had just got hurt. So you're bringing in a Bushi. What the hell are you doing? I mean, it makes no sense on any level. Oh, and by the way, Hawkinson is dinged up. So, Oh, I got an idea. We'll put our third tight end in there. He'll make a play. What the hell are you doing? I mean, none of it made sense. Everybody that was watching it right when they came out in this ridiculous set was thinking, you're not going to run the football. What the hell are you doing? Like, and then, so he hikes the ball and then he's like rolling out. And, and like the minute he rolled out, of course, for some reason he had somebody in his face. How do you have a, a, a heavy set with like eight linemen in and, and, and right off the crack of the bat, someone's right in our quarterback's face. I mean, really? What the hell are you doing? And then Matt Stafford just flicks it up like it's a play in the second quarter, you know, just oh, I'll just flick it sidearm and just hope that somebody comes down with it. I mean, come on, nine. What the hell are you doing? Then, then, then we got Logan Thomas back there trying to make a play. I mean, what does he have, like three catches on the whole year? Oh, he's tall. He's 6'6". Six, six. Okay. So is everybody else on our team, basically. Uh, I thought the guy got mugged. Do I think I get a call from the referee? Of course not, because I got to ask this question every week in the NFL. What the hell are you doing? It, it made no sense on every level, and I, I thought there should have been a P.I. There wasn't. I, Logan Thomas, of course, didn't make the catch. That's not surprising. Uh, nobody in their right mind is blaming Matt Stafford for this game. The guy was 406 yards, three touchdowns. We didn't talk about his pick. Okay, that wasn't great, but did you see the play the guy made? He was horizontal and basically went Odell with it and caught it with one hand. Uh, the only reason we're in this game is Matt Stafford, Kenny, and Marvin. And you just you not only let Josh Jacobs go for 120 and two tutties, but you let Derek Carr go for 289 and two scores. Like, that's going to get you beat on most weeks, man. But to call this play, all they had to do was dial up something regular. Or if they don't call the timeout, 
I think it was Kenny uh, down at the bottom left. I'd have just said set hut and just thrown it to him either on a, a dart back shoulder or just jump ball. And it would have been a guaranteed touchdown the way the guy's playing and in that type of scenario. But they don't. They overthink it. They lose the game on one play. But like I said, it came down to one play. Had, had they scored here and maybe went for two, everybody's talking a different tune. So don't go out, you or anybody on Twitter or anybody Lions fan, and act like we got trounced by the Oakland Raiders and, oh, we didn't play a, a good game. It was basically came down to that play. Yeah, that play sucked. This is like when I – bag on you a little bit Griffith, because like it's not that I'm all butterflies and rainbows it's that it's that like I'll call it like I right from the word go I I don't think I put anything out right away because like I get frustrated on game day but um you know I said the, the next day it's not like I'm gonna say oh great play called Daryl but that made a lot of sense no I'm gonna call that out I'm gonna call out other little things but I'm also gonna look at this game as a whole and say Wow, if you make that play and either you kick it and win an OT or you win it right there at the two point, Detroit's on fire, you know, as a city saying, oh, here we go. We're rolling. So I'm not going to flip out the other way because of one play and say the season's over or say we're an awful football team. We've got a lot of things to clean up on the defensive side of the ball. We got some scheme issues we got to handle when it comes to blitzing, taking care of people. Uh, but, you know, eight football games left. You take them one at a time and go do it. You don't start looking at the draft. You don't start saying, Oh, this team is going to win, you know, five games this year. Uh, it didn't feel like that to me. It was a gut punch. You know, it was another loss at the buzzer, which has killed me the last few years when we have these. I mean, it seems like we have more than most teams when it comes down to the, the final play or some BS play that happens in the game that feels like it costs us a win. But yeah, that play call was terrible. And, uh, the rest of the game was back and forth, so it's, it's a tough loss against the Raiders. But uh, you got to kind of scrape it, scrape yourself up, and and go get the Bears, which we'll uh, talk about on Friday. So I did go a little bit longer there, Griffco, but that was the mini rant from me. That was a tough play. Um, we've talked about a lot. We've played your favorite music. We've talked about midseason awards. We uh, rant and rave. We've hit on some highlights for this football game. Griffco, I'm out of breath. Do you have anything else for the people? Uh, nope. Thank you, everybody. Find us on Twitter. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tough show to tough game to talk about. We we did our best. We'll be back on Friday. Talk all things Chicago Bears and uh, another must win game. Get the Lions back on track. Thank you, everybody. Drink it in. We'll be back on Friday. Take care. Pack the bags. Start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.